What, say something a little more flirty. Like, what about you, T-Wall? You've rejected, you've been rejected? Yeah. Do you want me to say it again or? Okay. How about you? Have you been no, no, rejected you? by a friend? No, how about oh, you? Oh, sorry. Fuck. I didn't even realize I was doing that. <laughs> um, and, oh, fuck. I was going to say, how about you again? Jesus Christ. Sorry. <clears throat> Just say, have you been rejected by a friend? Have you been rejected by anyone? Have a- you any ever friends? been rejected by a friend? <laughs> okay, no, actually, let's not do that. <laughs> oh, my God. You're literally like. I, How about you? I, How about you? How about you? <laughs> You're like, can you stop saying that? Tiggy, the question masker. The question oh, master. Stop. How about you? I just want it to be like authentic. Um, yeah, you are okay. authentic. You are authentically authentic. Hi, I'm Tiggy. And I'm Tom. And welcome to Big City Babblers. Two Aussie millennials with the unoriginal idea of starting a podcast about the realities of living abroad. We gas bag and chew the fat, realising the fact that literally no one forced us to move here. From New York's Big Apple and old London town, this is Big City Battlers. All right, well, today we're going to be talking about the medical episodes that has happened in one's life whilst living overseas. And now we, I, I mean, I personally sensationalize the Australian medical system, Medicare, looking back at home with those rose colored tinted glasses, it all seems pretty good, especially when you compare it to here in the US, but we completely understand there's also a myriad of issues back home with Medicare, but we're going to talk about our experience of navigating, I guess, uh, trying to be a healthy individual because health is wealth, Tiggy. And how have you really well. gone with the big old NHS? There's a lot of things we could talk about with regards to the NHS. Like it's one of those things where it's kind of a taboo topic over here. Like people are so vehemently protective of the NHS, which was born um, out of the Second World War. It became the, yeah, the National Health Service came into being after the Second World War. So a lot of like boomers and things, no offense boomers, but they are like big, big, um, advocates of the of the National Health Service and for good reason. I mean, it gives a lot of equity to people who wouldn't be able to afford healthcare otherwise. The issue though that people have with it is that it's like a huge money hole. Like every single year they're spending more on it and people are getting less return. And I know a lot of people who have had to have surgeries through the NHS because they can't afford it privately and have had to wait a ridiculous amount of time for these surgeries Unless it's life-threatening, you're not going to be seen for six to eight weeks at a minimum, which a lot of people, even if it's not life-threatening, like can't afford to wait that long. So it's a tricky one because I've had a good and bad experiences, like the fact that you can see a GP and see a specialist and things without having to pay for it. That's incredible because I don't have very serious underlying health conditions. So if I need to see the doctor, it's for something not very serious. So for me, that's Mm. great. The wait times though for for ambulances though are ridiculous like when I got hit by the car the second time because I (laughs) hit (laughs) yet the second time (laughs) I hit my head on the I was wearing a helmet but I hit my head on the on the ground so people like you need to get seen by a by professional because you've had a collision to the head understandably Mm -hmm. so I had the option of going to the hospital or getting an ambulance and I chose that to get an ambulance 
and the ambulance didn't You should have just ridden your bike. (laughs) That would have been such a good decision to have done that. Yeah. Um, And I, it ended up being six hours to wait Wait. for the ambulance. Yeah. 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 How far away was the hospital? Like 10, 15 minute drive. And the Uber driver did actually offer to to drop me there. But I just, my whole thing was, I just didn't want to go to the hospital. In hindsight, it was stupid. I should have just gone to the hospital rather than waiting for an ambulance. And then I went to my friend who was nearby to, she sort of made me dinner and um, looked after As me. As you're still waiting, waiting looked, for the ambulance. Waiting for the ambulance four hours later. What? And then it got to. That doesn't make any sense. But why wouldn't you just. Go to the hospital. Like, would they not let you into the hospital without being in an ambulance? Well, the the wait times at hospital are ridiculous as well. So it's either you wait in a waiting room for four hours or you wait at home. So I decided to wait at home. I mean, after speaking to people afterwards, they're like, you definitely should have gone to the hospital because it could have been more serious. Then after being at my friend's for like four hours waiting for this ambulance, they still hadn't come yet. And we kept calling being like, what's the update? They're like, no, it's still on its way. So I went home. And it was this by this point it was like one a.m. and I was so mm. tired and I had to have that sort of self talk kind of going on, being like, if I go to sleep and if I have a head injury, like I could never wake up. But I was yeah. so tired, like I can't even because I'd had a you know a trauma happen to me. It was one a.m. Yeah. I was just waiting around in my living room trying to stay awake and I couldn't do it. I decided to go to bed and then. My sister was at home as well and she sleeps through, would sleep through a bomb going off. So she's a very, mm. very deep sleeper. I am as she well. She could sleep for sleep. Australia. Literally, literally. Went to sleep and, <laughs> sorry. I'm, um, so I woke up to people in the house being like, hello, hello. And I thought this was a dream. And I was like, oh, woke up, came outside. There was an ambulance person in outside my door and I was actually like oh my god hi and they're like no one was answering the door so we just had to break in I go downstairs there's four four ambulance people in my living room plus two firefighters because they had to ring the fire brigade to break into my flat because none of us were answering the door and they suspected maybe someone had like I don't know, died or something. So there's all these like emergency services people in my apartment. We both didn't hear a fucking thing. Like imagine if it had been robbers or anyone more serious. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And then by that, and then they were there. So then I saw the ambulance and of course I was completely fine. But yeah, so waiting six, seven hours for an ambulance turned out the whole of London's emergency services came to my flat. Holy shit. Yeah, it was so wild. Anyway, so I think that that is a isn't good. How about you? How's, how's your experience with the American health system? I think I've been to the hospital and urgent care more times in America in my adult life than when I lived in Sydney and paid for private health insurance. And I actually did get an Uber to the hospital once because I had this pain down my side. It was the middle of the night. Um, I'd been living in New York for three days, it was the middle of summer. And I went to what is now the probably roughest hospital in Brooklyn um, because I just Googled an ER. Anyway, so I get there. I turn up in my Birkenstocks, no ID, no social security number. They were like, they didn't take me seriously, which I kind of think is fair enough. But I was like, I have this pain down my side. I was in the ward for eight hours. And then the doctor came around, was like prodding on my side. And they were like, oh, well, maybe you should do a CAT scan. So to go and do a CAT scan, which I've never done, which is such a weird feeling too because they pump this dye through your body. kind of feels oh. like you're going all hot. Yeah. 
And then literally two seconds later, they come back and they're like, we need to operate on you right now. Your appendix is about to rupture. Shit. Yeah. And that was the only time in my life I've had a full on panic attack. Oh my God. I hyperventilating go, you know, cause I'm being told in this random country, I have to have my appendix taken out. Mm-hmm. So they prep me for surgery. My mom is like freaking out at home. Obviously I've, I've got no one there with me, obviously, because now it's about 6 a.m. So I've been up all night, so exhausted, sweaty, just. Oh. But the the really sad thing, and this was a good insight into the American health system, is there's a lot of homeless people in the ward just trying to stay a night in a bed out um, inside. The woman next to me completely urinated through her mattress. I could smell it through the oh. sheet. This other oh. guy opposite me was had one arm and the one arm that he did have was cuffed to his chair that he was sitting on. Oh my God. There was police everywhere. It was a madhouse. And actually this is also a mental health hospital. So like a psychiatric ward. So it was, it was quite confronting, but it's so weird because the whole time, I mean, I'd recently been ghosted by someone. So I seem to care more about that than, but I'll tell you about that in a little bit more. (laughs) I cared more about my mental state than my physical health. Anyway, the cherry on top was they finally get me up for surgery. I've met the surgeon, the anaesthetist, who was actually really hot and really nice. (laughs) And they couldn't get the bed into the operating theatre. It, like, wouldn't fit. So I had to get out of the bed in my nightgown and walk in to my own surgery. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you have to walk out as well? (laughs) No, but I remember... (laughs) I remember the anaesthetist was like, just saw how much of a battler literally I was and was like, mm. I'm going to give you a little bit of a little something beforehand. And so just like wiped me out with must have been ketamine or something like that. Just absolutely floored you. We should get him on the podcast to see how much of a battler <laughs> I, you were. <laughs> well, I don't know if I could track him down, but I any other doctor I've spoken to a nurse, I'm like, oh, is it this hospital? They're like, wow, that's all they can say. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. But the thing was, I just moved to New York, so I didn't, you know, I didn't really know anyone. I did have a friend's older brother look after me, which was so nice. While the recovery from an appendectomy is pretty straightforward, you still have to do things like groceries and, you know, anyway, it wasn't a great start to living in NYC, but I definitely had a full-blown experience with the healthcare system and it made you realise just how important health insurance is here. Yeah, because... I mean, I'm assuming you had to pay for that. So how how much was that in the end? Well, the whole surgery was thirty five thousand US dollars. I didn't even what? stay the night. Yeah. Uh the debt collectors got in touch, but I was actually insured twice through my visa and travel insurance. But even seeing the specialist for a thirty second checkup was six hundred dollars. Holy shit. Mm. And the problem the thing is, these numbers, no one really even pays it. They just the debt collectors, they'll settle outside of an agreement. But I actually used to work with this old colleague at a cafe and, you know, he worked in the service industry, so he didn't have health insurance. He had a fake ID for medical emergencies. How crazy is that? So that no one could get in touch? Yeah. So he would go, if he had to have any surgery, he'd be checked in under this fake name, fake address. Don't you have to just give more details than that? Or like, is that it? Well, I didn't. I didn't have anything. I had, I mean, I had my Australian ID, but if you're presenting as un, like needing life-threatening, you know, surgery. Yeah. 
They're just going to do it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, of course. An American girl corrected me the other day. She said America does have a good medical system. It's just ridiculously expensive, which is true because I did have a good surgeon. I had no complications. This is in my own experience. But the fact that it is so inaccessible is pretty wild. And the, the lengths that people go to here to avoid surgery, it's pretty sad. Yeah, I mean, I suppose in those situations, you kind of realize who your friends are. But what were you going to say before about ghosting? Oh, my God. I fell head over heels in love with someone when I first moved here. Classic 24, big city idealist. Let me guess, after two dates, you fell in love. (laughs) 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 And it had ended by then, and I just was clutching at straws to keep the flame alive even though it was completely gone I remember texting him being like hey I'm in the hospital um I don't really know what's going on um do you can you suggest somewhere to go and this like so fucking lame and tragic and then I remember getting a message from him after I woke up from the surgery it literally read I only go to hospitals in Manhattan hope you're all good though I should get, hope you're all good though, tattooed somewhere. Oh God. I know. That's horrific. I mean, I suppose he's asking if like, you know, hoping that you're okay, but that just sounds so disingenuous, doesn't it? I'm sorry. If someone I haven't even met fleetingly was like, hey, I'm in hospital. I need some help. I would nine times out of 10. Yeah. Well, okay. But I have this thing where I feel like the, there are ridiculous um, excuses being thrown around on Hinge in particular. Like mm-hmm. a friend w- had a first date lined up with this guy. I hadn't even met him. And he messages morning of being like, hey, my grandma's just died. I'm not going to be able to make the date. It's like, really? Like, I don't know if that's legit. Like you don't have to clutch at that those sorts of straws. I mean, a death of a family member is a pretty serious thing to either weaponize but I'm I don't know I'd give the benefit of the doubt and be like oh my god I'm so sorry yeah you know but these like what yeah rejection (laughs) facing you face constant rejection in these cities literally like I don't know how you do it as an actor because not only is it like things in your personal life but like your professional life like how do you go through every day sending a self-tape never hearing back following up I mean I'm kind of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> assuming that you don't hear back. Uh, you're right there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like that you constantly, like you, I'm not saying you, I'm saying okay, you in you. second person. <laughs> one, one does. Yeah. One. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're right. It's just, it's constant. And obviously some days are so much worse than others. Some days I wake up and I'm like, why on earth am I doing this? Like it actually is mm-hmm. the most debilitating thing for your ego. But then other days I mm-hmm. wake up and I'm like so enthused by the by the chase, by the thrill, by the fact that like I have no idea what's around the corner. Like it's such a roller coaster. Um, and every actor has given me different pieces of advice. Oh well, like, of course, actors love to give their two cents. Love to love to talk about themselves, yeah. <laughs> um, but I suppose, like, I mean, this is gonna sound pretty woo-woo, but I think that my biggest thing is I'm just like trusting in the process and just trusting that the right thing will happen. And I mean, yeah, I suppose 
in terms of dating as well, doing that um, in conjunction with the professional rejection that I face every day is is pretty hard. Yeah. Well, um, well, what about another one is moving to a city and not having a huge amount of friends and then facing a bit of friend rejection. That's something that's not really spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that happen to me before, actually. I, um, I was set up by a mutual friend um, to meet this girl who's also an actor and we got a coffee. So we got a coffee and we didn't necessarily have that friendship spark that I would be hoping for when you first meet a friend. And that's a thing. That is such a thing. Like when you first meet someone, whether or not you mm. click with them either romantically or not. Um, I think we just, yeah, we were, we're pretty different people. Um, but in saying that it, on the Monday, it was her birthday. And so I messaged her being like, Hey, happy birthday. Hope you had a lovely day not even asking to like meet up again. And she just never responded. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I mean, come on. I haven't asked to like see you again or anything, but like I literally said happy birthday. A little thank you wouldn't go astray. <laughs> Seriously, some people. Have you ever been rejected by a friend or, or ghosted? I, I'm sure I have, but I actually was on the flip side for this one. I was the ghoster just only because I don't know maybe with American personalities you make a lot of fast friends and I became friends with a friend's roommate and then the wheels fell off about two hangouts in she was the first friend I made in New York and I was like wow I really don't like this person and had to kind of softly let them go but that was um yeah that was pretty awkward because then you see them in person. You're like, hey, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? So did you send them a message or you just, just stopped responding? I just pulled back a lot because... Which means sorry. you stopped responding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but... And maybe that's why I got posted <laughs> because what goes around comes around. But yeah. Seriously, I, it's karma. Yeah. Mm. If I had my time again, I might be a little more mature about it. And I think that comes with maturity. I think when it's dating, and this can also apply to friends, one hangout or one meeting, whether it's a, you know, a going for a coffee or having a interview has grounds for ghosting because you have so much going on in your life. Yes. But anything, anything beyond that, where you create any sort of relationship, I think you really have to grow up a little bit and. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two sides to this and I don't know where I stand because part of me is like, like I literally said before, if you don't feel the spark, then, you know, like like you said, everyone's busy. I have no time to kind of wait around for that to appear. But also a lot of my really good friends, maybe 75% of my really good friends, I don't think we hit it off right, right away. I think that it was a slow burn. We got to know each other better and our relationship kind of matured. So I don't know, after one meeting or two, it's enough grounds to, to call, call it a day. But then you also fall into the territory of trying to over-communicate, particularly with dating, if it's one time, being like, hey, I just want to be really honest. Like, I don't see this going forward rather than friends. And then the person on the receiving end is like, what the fuck? Like, that's so dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it doesn't happen in friendships enough for it to be normalized, right? We don't know how mm. to break up with friends. That's not something we learn um, and not something we know how to deal with. And then you naturally, I think ghosting is the natural response because there isn't that rhetoric around how to end a friendship or close a friendship. Yeah. 
usually the way it goes is like you both go, yeah, we should catch up. And you both keep saying that until you eventually just you don't ever die. say it anymore. <laughs> until you are in the grave. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you've been rejected by while we're on the topic? <laughs> well, you know that I've been rejected from Raya. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> So tell us for our for our loyal fan base of our parents who don't know what Raya is. It's this creative dating app. Creative. The application. No. <laughs> it is. It's, it used to be like for people in the creative space. Well, it's not. It's literally investment bankers. I know. That's the irony. Yeah. So I made a very quick profile and then you have to. You <laughs> Quickly <put> creative. <laughs> yeah. And I think I put like personal trainer. So it's like. <laughs> That's creative. Coming up with like. Um, (laughs) (laughs) anyway I made this really quick profile must have chosen some bad photos and then I'm just I I remember I got put into the waitlist pool and I was like oh my god I can't even get into Raya so I'm fine with that I don't want I you know what I don't want to be on Raya it's exclusive and as you're right (laughs) full of investment bankers investment (laughs) wankers so you don't care so you're you're not losing sleep no no that's one thing I'm like happy to take the rejection cool all right, Tiggs, we're at the part of final thoughts. Now I've got a question. Are you a Karen in public and not someone who complains, but just talks to people? I think that I've been getting more Karen-like as the older I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like when I was younger, mum would talk to randers on the street. I'd be mortified. I'd be like, oh, yeah. stop it. But now I really find joy in the everyday interactions you have with people. Like literally this morning I was coming out of my Pilates class unlocking my bike and there was a line bike next to me then a man appears with this huge like gray contraption just like out of my peripheral vision and then kind of comes into my vision and it kind of surprised me and I was like oh what are you doing and he's like I'm replacing the line bike battery and I was like oh and he's like what you thought robots did it and I was like oh no I actually had no idea so today I saw a guy replacing the line bike batteries because I always, I didn't even, I thought they would go back to a port and be charged or something, but, but apparently the not. The more you know. Yeah. Actually, I was at my B, my B team coffee shop, not my creative one. And uh, yeah. as I was walking in, this girl goes, I love your outfit. And I, it was just so disingenuous because mm. I was wearing jeans and a hoodie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Did you confront and, her? You're a liar. No, I, was just, I was just like, oh, thank you. But it's just, a, I don't know. It's, you know, those personalities just like talk to you on the street and you're kind of like, and you you know, in these big cities too, you do have a lot of crazy people yes. that talk to you. And that's the thing. You just avert eye contact. You can't like look at them. I don't know. It depends on your mood someday and depends on the color of your day. You know, if yes. you're having a yellow day, I'll talk, I'll talk the back legs off a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> but Did if you I'm speak having to a. Her? Yeah. Oh, no, not this particular person. I just sort of took the compliment and went and got my latte. But (laughs) I will often speak to people on the street. (laughs) What are you talking to them about? Whatever they want to talk about. Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, he's actually the crazy person. Yeah, exactly. He needs to go to that hospital in Brooklyn stat. (laughs) I did go to this fitness class the other day and people weren't even asking my name they were just like what's your star sign I was like come on are we really at that it's 2023 (gasps) yes but come on oh my god that's so perfect yeah it doesn't even matter what your name is just what your star sign is (laughs) 
I love that. Well, Tiggs, I think that's enough gas bagging for today. So glad that the ambulance uh, finally turned up and that you're okay. And let's hope that the week ahead isn't full of constant rejection. Yes. Let's manifest some some yeses. It's the year of yes. <laughs> you're a yes gal. <laughs> yes woman. 100%. <laughs> All right. Well, bye, Antigone. Thanks, Tommy. Love you. See you next time.